Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. Special show for you guys planned today as we welcome our returning champion to the show. If you want to get a full and complete you know, introduction to, to Trey, we talked with him. I don't know. God, this would have been fall of 2020 when we first started the show. But Trey Crowder, comedian, TreyCrowder.com. We'll get into all the stuff you're working on, but we really appreciate it. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, Trey, isn't this long. your third time? I, th- I don't know. No? I mean, I've talked to Braden on multiple occasions, <laughs> but I don't know what uh, all iterations they were. It's at least the second version of this one, I think. Okay. I've, okay. I've said a lot of words to a lot of people, and I understand when they get confused by all of the different mm-hmm. places that that's happened. We've had Corey on yeah. twice because of the Georgia thing, uh, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but, of course... The solo tour this summer, you've got the Well-Read Comedy Tour that's, I guess you guys are doing that all right now. you got uh, spring dates all over the Southeast and all over the place, so go check that out. Of course, the Liberal Manifesto is the book. they got the new podcast, Putting on Airs, with Corey Forrester, so we'll get mm-hmm. to all of that stuff a little bit later on. We're going to talk some football here, some Tennessee stuff, because I could not think of a better person, Trey, to talk to about feeling good, being in a good, happy place as a Tennessee alumni than you. I, I wanted to have you on to do this, and we're going to have some fun today on the show. Before we do that, if you don't mind me putting you to work for just a, just a second here, um, Aaron, tell everybody, first of all, go to the YouTube, subscribe, push all the buttons we ask you to push, all that great stuff. But um, Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by who? It's brought to you by Jaspers, a sponsor that has had to deal with me making up ads off the cuff that have sometimes no real relation to the restaurant itself at all. And I do that every single week. So, Trey, if you're in Nashville mm-hmm. and you'd like to go to a sports bar to watch a game, drink a beer, nice drink specials, you should go to Jasper's. Would you like to do some copy for Jasper's off the top of your head? Yeah, you're meaning like I'm literally making this up. Yeah. Like, like one time it. I called it the freshwater cactus of the South. Like that's how <laughs> okay. that is. Yeah. Anything. All right, come on down to Jasper's, named after a Civil War ghost. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got all the TVs and drink specials you could ask for. Also, there's a library in the back for some reason. We haven't figured that out yet. It just sounds right in a place like Jasper's. You need some old uh, Southern literature going on. I don't know if you go in there to read, but you can certainly watch a game either way. And whatever you're looking for, you can find it at Jasper's Friendly Neighborhood Pub and Grill, Nashville, Tennessee, Stab. <laughs> circa 2002 you don't realize how close that is they actually have they a do have a library they have a nook in the back of their building what? called the did library did you know that i was like <laughs> no, has he been there no you're lying now i'm not I'm no not. no they have a library there's a shuffleboard really? there's a shuffleboard <laughs> and, and it's it's not quite fine southern literature it's more like uh board games but yeah there, okay but there yeah, is but kind books. of a library there's definitely a library there that's really I know. weird. I was like, did you guys talk about this before I jumped on? Because I'm confused. No, I, what popped into my head without getting on too much of a tangent was uh, this story that I recently told on the podcast, Putting On Airs, which we could talk about later. But it, uh, I went on a buddy's bachelor party trip to New Orleans once, and it's a bachelor party. So we were, you know, walking around outside the strip clubs and whatnot. And a strip club uh, proprietor or the manager or whatever was trying to sell us on his establishment. And mm-hmm. he was running down the list of amenities and he was talking about the champagne room and stuff. And he ended it with, and we got over 1000 books and they're all in Russian. 
And he just stood there. And my buddy was like, why? And he goes, like, it was the dumbest question you'd ever heard. He goes, because that's balling. And then turned around and walked <laughs> off. Like, he was like, I'm not wasting any more time on these guys. They don't understand the balling nature of Dostoyevsky in a strip club champagne room or whatever. But uh, that, while doing that, that story <laughs> popped into my head. So I was like, I'll give them a library because that's balling, you know. And Has that turned into a one-liner for y'all? Because that's balling? No, yeah, I mean, it should, you should. know, take it back to... It's a little 2000 and late, don't you think? Saying yeah. balling, but I like it. Uh, I'm pretty 2000 and late myself. Anyway, I'm blown away by the fact that they have an actual like book nook slash I'm library or whatever. I'm very that's, impressed. That's pretty well wild. Well done. Well done, Trey. Uh, all right. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Are we for, done? All right. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, next time. let's start with, with just positivity uh the tennessee volunteers athletics the entire department uh, I, I i cannot remember a time and frankly this is kind of true for most sec fans right now i cannot remember a time of more happiness for tennessee fans and for the league no one's upset with their coach except for auburn but they don't count so what what is it like being in a good mood as a tennessee alumni or tennessee fan right now I just think it's bold of you to assume that I'm, you know, buying in to all the, the the hope and positivity and whatnot. I've been hurt too many times, man. No, it's better than the alternative for sure. It's nice to not be utterly racked with abject despair at all hours of the day when it comes to, you know, being a Tennessee fan. But I think, at least for me, I'm still wary of uh, of the positivity because that's how they get you you know they rope you in and then uh eventually it all comes crashing down so i'm still kind of i'm i'm, I'm in perpetual believe it when i see it mode with all of them you know with the boys basketball team in march madness same thing as soon as michigan came up i was i was texting my friends and stuff i was like i this this is it this is gonna because i just had that that feeling it seems like michigan just does it to us you know uh actually when they ran roughshod through the SEC tournament, like that's a great moment. That's awesome. But also, I was like, well, now that they've done this, you know they're gonna blow it in the in the in the big dance, you know, because that's just that's just the way of things. So, and then same thing with football. They're like preseason top ten or whatnot. They're recruiting well. They exceeded expectations but see that's where they do better i think is when everybody's completely written them off and then they do kind of good and people are like well how about that they're not absolutely terrible and then when people start to speculate maybe they'll be like good or something that's when you got to watch out so you know we'll see what happens but i'm loving what's going on you know over there and i mean the baseball team i'm not as big of a baseball guy but i know that they're absolutely crushing it so and that I don't have a bead on them, you know, because that's not I feel like I don't have years of like like with the basketball and the football team, w there's patterns and trends. You know what I'm saying? The baseball team being this good is sort of a, a novel experience for me. So maybe they'll uh, buck those trends and take it all the way. I don't know. We'll see. Well, you said you're I was going to ask you about baseball. You said you're not a huge baseball person, but does what will other sports ever be able to really hold people over Tennessee football almost feels like no matter what being good or decent in another sport at the university of Tennessee is just not going to be enough to quench the thirst. Would you agree with that? 100%. There's no doubt about that in my mind. It's like, there's only like, 
you know, mostly in the SEC, that's generally the case, except for places where they've never really had like football success. So, you know, like Kentucky, Kentucky straight up basketball school, but they, you know, care about the football team too, but it's like the reverse up there. And I know it's true at this point because the football team has been mostly a dumpster fire for more than a decade now. And the basketball team has had, you know, stretches of, pretty good play where they've been you know they've looked genuinely good and people get into it i get into it, my friends get into it but it's like it i don't feel like it ever overtook football or ever even really came close despite the discrepancy between you know the two programs at any given point in time it's just kind of how it is in the in the south i made one of my internet videos today where i was talking about the culture of like college football in most of the south and how big of a deal it is so we'll we'll get to change we'll we'll get to tommy tube steak in just a second Mm -hmm. we'll we'll, we'll get to him um the the question i I have we talked about this a little bit last week on the show which is i think for tennessee fans you could argue that their hatred within each sport is probably different for each sport like lady vols fans right now inside the sec everyone knows we hate they hate UConn, but like mm-hmm. South Carolina is the dominant team there. Kentucky basketball is clearly the team that Tennessee fans, I would yeah. assume, hate the most. In baseball right now, it's turning into Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, right? Who do you hate the most in on the football field? Is it just Florida? Is it just that easy of an answer? Well, you know, like I've always thought, and I've had conversations before where I, that that appears to be like generational, uh, you know, because like for Tennessee fans older than me and mine it was definitely Alabama for the longest time but when I was coming of age Alabama Nick Saban wasn't there yet they weren't really relevant at that time they were like has-beens which is weird to think about and Florida with Steve Spurrier was the ones who were doing it to us year in and year out so it was like always been Florida for me for sure but for older fans it was Alabama and I would imagine the younger ones now it's maybe flip-flopped again or it's both it's hard for me to say but it was always Florida for me, for sure. Although, I mean, I'm pretty sick and tired of Alabama, too, at this point. Don't get me wrong. Like, they've definitely inched back up there. But, yeah. I could see the next one being Georgia very very easily. Like, Kirby, yeah, George, Kirby's George, a young guy. Yeah. Well, and you got to sure. hear about it all the time, Trey. Yeah, right. With Corey. And Corey Forster is absolutely insufferable, too, as a Georgia fan. But Do you uh, just you, mean, okay, I was going to say in general, but. No, as a Georgia fan. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, he's screaming. He's like, you know, like the stereotype of Georgia fan, like they'll just bark up in your face and stuff. He doesn't literally bark at me, but he does like the equivalent. He's like, it's not, it not great. He's He doesn't, uh, they, he doesn't, you know. Uh, conduct himself with decorum as a as an SEC football fan, I would say. Uh, I, but that you know, that's just my opinion. But yeah, they could. Georgia's always been like you know they hate Florida too, and also they were all they up until recently were kind of like either below us or around the same level. We were sort of in the same position. Had we each had other teams that we hated, so it was different. But I mean, they're in the East. They're dominant now. It could definitely mm-hmm. turn into that in the future, I guess. What is what are the conversations like you and, and friends or family or, you know, you said you guys don't appreciate because I'm the same way. I'm, I'm an eternal cynic as and that, that happens as a Tennessee alumni and a Mets fan where you just sort of believe the worst thing is going to yeah. happen. Um, a summer like this that's coming up where it's going to be a lot of I don't think it's overt expectations, but I think there's definitely pressure on Josh Heupel for the first mm-hmm. time, maybe ever. So. What are conversations like? What are expectations? Are people already talking about like competing in the East? Are people getting out over their skis that far? Obviously, it's not you, but I mean, my experience with the Tennessee fans that I know, it uh, pretty much all of us, it's a similar thing. Is it's just like 
wonder how they're going to blow this. You know, like, like we'll see, you know, wonder what new and exciting ways they're going to find to, you know, to rend our hearts into this fall. Uh, like it's not, it, like I said, it's just the, if the expectations are in the basement, then it's like, okay, well, we'll see if we can mess around and win a surprise game or two or whatever. But like when, anytime it turns like this, where, you know, people are, there's murmur murmurings about, you know, like relevance again and things like that. You're, it's going to be met with trepidation with the Tennessee fans that I know, which like mo most all of my friend, pretty much most all of them, except for like Corey and maybe a couple other friends of mine from elsewhere are Tennessee fans. And they, pretty much we're all the same way <laughs> not trying to beat a dead horse Trey but what is what is going at the, in this era of Tennessee football of what it's been for you know our all of our recent memories what is this the best possible way to enter a season though like what is the best as a Tennessee fan in this modern Tennessee football era isn't this kind of best case scenario yeah yeah and I know that you're coping and trying not to get overly excited yes. because it's a cope. It's a coping mechanism uh, yes. you've developed. You're but. right. That's true. Removing that, you know, hope from the worst, hope or expect the worst. You won't be, you know, disappointed or whatever. So that is absolutely what's going on. Removing that from the equation. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like it's because, you know, like last year it was like, are they going to win a game? My God, you know, you, there's no real optimism at all going into the season. So like, it's nice to think that if, things go your way you could actually have a genuinely good year you know and that's about the best we've been able to hope for over the past 10 plus years so i mean yeah you're right what well, one of the signs though and I've, i i never really thought and i've said this many times i don't josh heupel his ability to recruit has always sort of been a pretty big question mark not if they've got a large massive state-of-the-art collective that is funneling millions of dollars to recruits sort of um, on the side, which is now all legal and all on the up and up. And um, we talked a lot about, we've talked a lot, Aaron and I have talked a lot about the, the five-star commitment. There was a big story in the athletic about a player getting an $8 million contract. You know, we're kind of all connecting the dots here that this is the five-star quarterback, Nico Iamaleava. Yeah. And he's got all this, he's on campus this past weekend. And as someone who has built a big part of their career on sort of generating audience and creating a brand and sort of uh, you know, finally tuning that brand to, to the people that care about what you're delivering. This is a guy who's like at an ice cream parlor. He's got the pajama pants thing. He's out at Farragut High School, which is a, a suburb in Knoxville, mm -hmm. chucking the ball around. Like, what do you make of, of the recruiting world now that we've got these 16 and 17 year old kids that are trying to finally tune a brand to yeah. millions of people? Yeah, it's wild. It's the evolution of like the, you know, high level athlete has been wild in that way over the years because it's clear. I mean, maybe he's just a natural at it. I don't know. But it seems to me like not only are they getting they're in these like elite camps working on their physical abilities and stuff from an early age, but they're also they've got like brand and media training and things like that. Like he's trying to be like you know, a full on enterprise already at 17 or however old he is. It's pretty insane. But, you know, the like college football Twitter and recruiting Twitter and social media and all that is pretty fervent. So, I mean, he's definitely like pushing all the right buttons, playing all the right cards. But I mean, you know, if he gets if he when he finally hits the field, if he struggles, all those same people will be right back on top of him, you know, coming at him hard because they're 
animals. Uh, the, a lot of the people on the internet are, but that's what you got to do. You know, you got to be, you got to, you know, rise above it all somehow, uh, get your, you know, get your stuff out there when you're um, already at a good starting point, like he is, you know, high level recruit with a, a profile to begin with. And now he's got like resources. I mean, yeah, he's hitting the ground running for sure, but it's pretty crazy how different it already is, you know, going from how they couldn't college athletes, you they couldn't even like talk about money or anything. You know what I mean? Like they had to like live like monks, basically. I was gonna say, any, you, anything. Couldn't talk about anything. Yeah, right. Yeah. They had to live like monks in a monastery or something, or they'd be hit with violations and whatnot. And now you got like guys are just repping the brand out there. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm still not really clear on how all the money part works, but if it like, you know, if it's all if it's all above board and they've got the, the rich people, the boosters or whoever have got it to spend, then you know, spend it. I'm all for it. Because other people are going to be doing it, you know. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with these, you know, these kids getting these deals and whatnot. I, I know you've talked about, you know, your upbringing in comedy and like how you sort of came into the profession you you've come into. But what I, I know you're, I think you're a couple years younger than me, and I think I, re, I believe Happy Birthday, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but you. if you were 16 years old and had to build your brand on a cell phone, what would you have been doing when you were 16 years old? <laughs> when i was 16 dmx uh -huh. covers on youtube so it's a good <laughs> thing it's a good thing to know this existed when i was in high school because it would would not have held up it wouldn't have been strong um yeah no i don't know dude when i was you know i was like white trash i would have been trying to rap probably you know try trailer rap i don't know that this was a few years before that came around too like yellow wolf and guys like that you know it would have been before my time i think but uh, no, I mean, I wanted to be a comedian, but I didn't, uh, I mean, I, you know, I didn't st actually start doing stand up till after I got out of college and moved to Knoxville at, at 24. Um, so like I wouldn't have been doing internet comedy things at 16. I don't, and if I was 16 now, like I'm picturing myself at 16 in 2002 or whatever, mm -hmm. if I was 16 now, yeah, I'd probably be all over TikTok making a fool of myself. You know, I don't know what my angle would be, but I mean, you know, it's just it's second nature to them at this point. Yeah. Well, I was I'm going to skip ahead because I was going to ask you this a little bit later, but you brought up just getting into comedy and, you know, how old you were and how it kind of started. Um, your childhood hero I saw is Chris Rock. So mm -hmm. I'm just curious. I hate to like lean into this, but what did what was your whole sentiment towards what happened? And I'm only asking you this, not because you're a comedian, but because Chris Rock specifically is someone that you admired growing up. So I'm just curious to know kind of your reaction to the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I thought he handled it uh, heroically. I think he's a pros pro. I don't think you could have handled it much better, you know, in any way than he did. And I think it's ridiculous. I've always loved Will Smith too, just in general. And I feel like he had 30 years of like sort of, America's sweetheart <laughs> yeah. uh, branding undone by his own open hand in you know one one nanosecond so I'm sure he probably regrets it but um I thought Chris Rock was you know impeccable in that moment and uh and I thought the whole thing was super weird how like 
he then wins. And I know the the winners are decided beforehand. I get that. But to, to see all that happen and then him pretty shortly after win and then give this weird speech where he tries to justify what he did multiple different equally insane ways where it's like, <laughs> oh, the guy was playing in a movie. It's what he would have done. Or I've always been a protector of women or like, oh, the right. devil made me do it. Or I'll, just you name it, all this crazy stuff. And then get a standing ovation for that. And I also thought about how weird that had to be for Chris Rock. <laughs> Very. standing and seeing all these people just like comfort will smith and you know just fillet him and then meanwhile chris rock standing over there by himself like i just he smacked me in the face you know and everybody's <laughs> just like keep the show going and keep your mouth closed is how i imagine it went down but yeah no that whole thing was uh ridiculous i'm not really worried i know some comics have said they're worried about like it's setting like a precedent for people running up on stage at shows and stuff i mean you know could be famous last words but i'm not i'm not really concerned about that part of it well it opens up a lot of different conversations uh, which and some of which you guys briefly touched on in the second episode of putting on airs when 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 you guys were talking about uh exactly that doing doing hip-hop covers back in when you were teenagers mm-hmm. um but it does raise a fascinating question about how art ages and i I'll, we'll get to that in a second but just you do say like comedians have to have the freedom to say what they want to say and do what they want to do. Just like all artists need to have that sort of space and freedom. And and I don't know, have you, have you ever even come close? Has anyone ever even come close to, to saying something to you or being, I don't want to say violence, not the right word, but just have you ever had a situation where you were actually like concerned about a situation, like what you had said to somebody? Uh, I mean, I've had, you know, coming up, do, starting stand up in, in Knoxville and doing it in the South and stuff and being kind of the way I am. I mean, I've definitely upset people. I've gotten booed. I've gotten yelled at to get the off the stage and stuff like that. You, you, back can, in, you can cuss. You can cuss. OK, yeah, I kept thinking that I couldn't for some reason. I've been told to get the fuck off the stage repeatedly, you know, before like back because I'm talking about abortion or whatever in Chattanooga and shit like that. I've upset people for sure. People have told me after the shows that I've upset them. Um the only time that, and it's funny how it played out, I found out later that this hammered drunk minor league hockey player in Knoxville, played, he played for the Ice Bears, I guess, he tried to fight. He had to be like held back and pulled off of my buddy, who's also a comedian, but because of a joke that I told. like he, And that happens all the time, by the way. People get comedians mixed up somehow they th- like it happens to me Corey and drew they'll be like oh i loved your thing about and they'll mention one of drew's jokes or something you know people just get drunk can't keep it together i don't know but this hockey player tried to assault my friend because he thought my friend was me uh but i wasn't even there for it so like uh, and that's the only time that something like that's ever happened to me personally fringe element is brought to you by Jasper's, the ultimate pregame snack, which is what I'm about to do. I was going to say, what are you pregaming for? Um, I'm going to, one of my clients asked me to go to the CMT Awards with them, so I'm going to do that. Aww. Just like, I'm just like so busy. <laughs> <laughs> so describe to everybody, what you're, if you're not watching on the YouTubes, which you should be, go check us out. What um what exactly are you like half dressed in evening gown sort of ball ball wear? What do you call a yeah, what do you call not, award what do you call award show gear? Yeah, just award show gear. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, a problem, no, a problem I've never full, had to worry about before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going full evening gown. I'm um like it's dressier. Yeah, I'm like half dressed. I have like half my makeup on. My hair is not done. I have like a lot of stuff on except for mascara, which is 
you know, not a great look, but that's where we are. Um, just wearing like dress pants and a, a fashionable top. Uh, cool. And heels. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> go to Jasper, go to, go to Jasper's everybody in a fashionable top. And you could then go to a music award. Country Music TV? Is that what CMT is? I've actually yeah. got an extra ticket. Does anyone want to go? Uh, this is... People are hearing this after the event. So okay. Well, you guys, I'll not. let you know how it was. <laughs> <laughs> so we give, away, we give away my ass. plus one to the CMT awards after it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this, you could win the ticket to last night's show. <laughs> given you away get, by me. We're giving away free tickets to an event that already happened. <laughs> Oh man. Um all right. Carols so, of it, recording, you know. Yeah, anyway. Not recording uh, live. Okay. Anyway, Jasper's and uh food, drinks, beer, specials, parking, all of it's great. Uh they got the they do actually have a library. Which, yeah, they do. Uh, that was f- phenomenal work by by Trey, and he didn't even mean to do that. Um, Good for more formal dining if you're actually going before an event. Yeah. Or I mean, you really could go there, sit in the formal dining area before yes. you had a nicer event to go to. I could easily wear what I'm wearing to the award show there and it wouldn't be weird. Or you can show up in jeans and a t-shirt just to grab a beer after work. All sorts of vibes, Russian full of <laughs> library, full of Russian literature, like Braden mentioned. And um, it's just a versatile place. Or if you're a five-star quarterback wearing pajama pants everywhere. And you don't want to be like necessarily seen in public. You can just hit the grab and go market, grab a bunch of good stuff and get out of there. And no one's going to notice that you're still wearing your pajamas. It's That's not a big exactly deal. Right. Although now he's turned into, he's turned into a thing and now he can sell. If he ends up, if he, if, if Nico ends up starting at Tennessee, he's going to end up selling a whole lot of pajama pants. I'll tell you that. He'll, oh yeah. He'll get to that $8 million mark. <laughs> I'm going to so. take a page out of his book. I'm sick of trying. Yeah. No, no question about that. Well, in, enjoy the, uh, the CMT awards on Monday evening. <laughs> That you've already been to. Go to Jasper's, everybody. The parking is free. The food is wonderful. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. That just about does it for Jasper's. That was lovely. We really got down into got down into it. We're more than sports. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Well, let me let me get to because you mentioned this again, putting on airs brand new podcast and, and I'll give I'll let you do the sort of the elevator pitch because you'll do it better than me. But uh, it's a fantastic show. Uh, two episodes out so far. You get it everywhere your podcasts are. But you, but something that Corey said when you guys were sort of just like, I think it's I think it I think it was the the opening scene. You didn't reference this, but there's the opening scene of, of, of Rain Man where the Lamborghinis are coming off the boat and the, and it's the my grandma and your grandma sitting by the fire. And you guys are sort of riffing and going back and forth. And in that moment, you guys are looking at each other going like, man, are we saying a bunch of racist shit now or not? Mm-hmm. We're not really sure. And what I find fascinating is like, we cannot go back and relitigate all of history in film and literature and art and comedy and painting. Like we can't do it. So what, what is the right way to, to say to people like, look, that's the way they were, and it's okay then. We're a little different now. Like how how do we how do we reconcile all of that as as a group of people? I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's like it's okay to to like you don't have to excuse the abhorrent behavior of people in the past if you don't want to. It's just like if you're gonna 
throw everything out because of that, then you're basically just going to live from like, I don't know, the past eight years onward or something. Cause anytime you go back into the past, you're going to find a bunch of, uh, you know, shitty people saying and doing shitty things. And it's like, I think you'll just exhaust yourself and spend all day on nothing but that. If you're trying to, you know, cancel everybody from the Renaissance masters on, you know what I mean? So like, uh, and cancel, that's a hot, but I don't even really think that that really happens. Can't like, you know, most people that like, I thought Morgan Wallen was getting canceled and he's the number one star in country music now, you know what I mean? Like it's a, all kind of a myth anyway, but I think it's okay to like point out, stuff like that from in the past but just don't let it get to you too much because what are you what are you going to do about it you know it was what it was all we can do is just try to like recognize that stuff and adjust and move forward basically you know and not to me all that stuff is that comes down to like context and intent you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's like if you're depending on what the context is and what your intent was then you know that should be the main determining factors and whether what you said was a problem or not. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like actually right now, not to get too far into this, but I'm going through a whole thing right now with TikTok, which I don't even understand TikTok. I just started like making my videos with my phone flipped the other way and putting them on TikTok. (laughs) The next thing I know, um, I've gotten banned by TikTok for hate speech permanently banned and i'm trying to like figure this out right now because i think i don't know if it's what i think is happening is that either their algorithm or ai or whatever can't differentiate when i like i'm playing a character as marjorie taylor green mm-hmm. or something and as her i say like there's jews running the moon you know or whatever <laughs> but like you isolate that one clip and it's just me saying it and it's like oh that's not that violates our terms and conditions you can't say say stuff like that do you know what i mean but like the context and intent hmm. would inform you that i'm making fun of people who think things like that and how ridiculous things like that are so it's actually you know the opposite effect <laughs> but if you don't look at the context or intent of what people say then you know, no one is ever going to be able to say anything. So that's kind of the rule that I try to live by. Yeah. It's like AI is like, can speak the language that they say that you're actually fluent when you can be sarcastic or make a joke in a foreign language. And it hasn't gotten that far to where it knows that you're, you know, playing Marjorie Taylor green. Yeah. Um, my question, are you guys suggesting that algorithms can work the other direction? and not be successful and hurt people's feelings and <laughs> I not think work I correctly. Might be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just want yeah. to clarify. What do you, Trey, have you run into situations? And this is what I think about when we talk about going back a little bit to name image and likeness of these kids having such a platform now and getting paid, which I, we've both said Braden and I is long overdue. Um, but they now have this platform even more so, and their voice is going to be more heard. What, what is the, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this, but what's the danger of being on a platform and not being allowed to change? Have you run into that of, you know? No, but I think I know what you mean. And I, I've thought about it a lot because I've thought about like, thank God there wasn't YouTube and all this stuff when I was a teenager, because like I said, there would be video clips of me rapping DMX songs and a wife beater in a gold chain and standing in a trailer, you know, and just really going in on it too. And those videos would not age well in a multitude of ways. And I think all the time about like these kids that are like teenagers now with all that, like, social media presence and living online. And I mean, yeah, you should, I don't know anybody who wasn't 
at least a little bit of a dumbass when they were a teenager and a young adult, myself included. And like, I hope that people, you know, are allowed to, to change and grow, you know, by society based on, I mean, cause I know that's happened with athletes in particular, they dig up old tweets and stuff and went, you know, from three or four years ago, but that means the guy was 15 or 16 or whatever, if he's like 21 now. And I always kind of, I try to just not read too much into that because like I said, people could be dumb and you can and should grow up and learn other things. And that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean it reflects you now, but yeah, I mean, I've wondered about that a lot because it seems like there's a big subset of people who don't believe in like people changing or getting second chances and things of that nature. So yeah, which is where all the canceled stuff comes from. Yeah. Have you spent any time thinking about, you know, the, the core identity that you created as successful to your career as the liberal redneck? Have you, I'm, I'm assuming you go on interviews and get asked a lot of the same questions about your upbringing and your background and why you are the way you are and why you think the way you think and all these things. Like, do you ever, do you spend any time thinking about like, what's the next evolution of all of this? Or do you want to, how do you stay core to who you are, but also kind of progress if that makes sense? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, there's a lot of different things I want to do like in the world of comedy, uh, you know, that aren't related to that, like liberal redneck videos or politics at all. Uh, but I have a lot of varying interests, but in that part of it, it's not like I'm trying to quit that stuff either. And with that, I just sort of try to the same stuff that informs what I'll say on the videos is like what informs how I make my opinion in the first place, which is, I just try to think like, you know, I, I think about like the future perspective, like being on the right side of a thing, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in the future, yeah. when my kids are older or whatever, if this thing we're talking about right now ever comes up, what side do I want to tell them that I was on at the time? You know what I mean? And um, so, I mean, I, but I've always thought about it like that, not in terms of like protecting my, you know, future identity or online legacy or whatever just trying to be the right way you know what i'm On saying the right side of history yeah. yeah well this all brings us to the new new venture you got and of course uh, again TreyCrowder.com, well-read comedy tour you got the solo tour you got the liberal manifesto book you got all the social accounts mm-hmm. the youtube page everything out there but you guys decide because obviously you're not doing enough content <laughs> you decide uh let's do another show and you and Corey Forrester a guy we've talked a little bit about oh i guess I, we do have to ask you about how how obnoxious he was during the national championship but we'll get to that in a second um the, the putting on airs podcast i find it so enjoyable obviously I, I i enjoy your political commentary but i i found it so enjoyable because as a southerner who doesn't know anything about Henry VIII, for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, the concept is sort of different from all the stuff that you kind of have done in the past. Um, yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to mention a few phrases. So if you have children in the car, e- earmuffs here, because these are going to be the words that stuck out stuck out to me about your first couple of episodes <laughs> that I'd like that I'd like people to hear. Um, uh, we, we this is these are some phrases that I would use to describe the podcast. Uh, brown whore porker, briny clam jizz. Pill sommelier and charmed a few dicks out of a basket, I believe, are are some quotes from just yeah. one episode, just one episode of this podcast. So where did putting on airs come from? Why do you want to do it? And, and uh, obviously, everybody go rate, review, subscribe. So me and Corey have been friends for a long time. And like 
10 years ago or more now, we actually had the idea for the podcast. It was going to be called Whiskey and Quiche at the time. And it was because it started because we both found out that we loved Downton Abbey, the show. And we thought that was funny that both of us loved that. And it wasn't going to be about Downton Abbey, but we were like, we should do a podcast where we, because, you know, we're both trash. We're, you know, we're uh, trash hillbilly, just, uh, you know, just gutter people. And we sound like it. We should do a podcast where we talk about like Downton Abbey type stuff, fancy frou-frou stuff, because that juxtaposition will be funny. But this is 10 years ago, and we didn't have a clue what we were doing about any, and we had no gear, no knowledge, no nothing. We recorded like an episode and then just basically gave up on it. Then all this other stuff happened in the intervening decade, and we've been touring together and doing other stuff together for a while. And so then like last year, one of us was just like, we should do that now, now that we know what we're doing and we have like, the resources and ability to do stuff we should circle back to that and ended up renaming it putting on airs and it's yeah it's just you know two hillbillies talking about like pinkies up fancy stuff most of which we don't know about either until we look it up and then talk about it on the show and we you know like it's not really a celebration of we're we mostly make fun of the stuff that we find out that rich people do and whatnot, but it's also like an element of you believe they're doing this or that they did this or whatever. So, but we're having a lot of fun with it. We are pretty uncouth, pretty ribald, but I would argue that me and Corey both have a history of being that way anyway, uh, in the political space. So it's just that, except it's not political in nature. Are you guys considering maybe doing like your own version of an urban dictionary to go along with all of these phrases that you're doing? That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I don't know. Need a putting on airs glossary of terms. Yeah, take that. uh, I think it's a good coffee table book. And if you do it, just remember whose idea it was. But I think it is worth giving it a go. Okay. Well, Well, I'll take that under advisement. But yeah, uh, (laughs) we're a couple episodes in and uh, it comes out every Friday. So wherever you get your podcast and stuff, putting on airs um, and yeah, and and dig it. Let me ask you, how much are you guys actively trying to stump each other like in real time? Because I can I can hear you guys like you ask. a So first of all, this is also what makes podcasting, I think, so interesting. It's okay just to not know everything right off the top of your head. Like you have to know everything in sports talk radio, right? Like if you say anything wrong in sports talk radio or on TV, you've, (laughs) you've completely failed. But like part of the beauty of podcasts is that you can kind of just evolve your opinion and learn and kind of explore and ask questions. How much are you guys actually like in the moment learning about something when you have those conversations? A lot. I think we do. Like you were saying, sports broadcasting, you know, you can't get anything wrong. You're being in trouble. And I was like, thank God that's not the case for us. Because we constantly just like theorize about things. You're like, you know what I think is going on here based on nothing. Like straight up just pulling it out of our butts and just making stuff up. And we do that all the time. And generally like whatever – so I'll have a segment and Corey will have a segment. And generally speaking, we don't talk to each other about those at all until we're actually recording. So whatever I'm talking about, Corey's probably learning all that from me in the moment and then vice versa during, during his segment. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of that goes on. You I, also have, go ahead, Brayden. Well, I was going to say, I think, I think you're onto something by Jove. And when somebody theorizes something and and then the other one goes to fact check them in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I like I'm actively waiting to find out if that theory that you just threw out there has any merit whatsoever. Right. And yeah. So, no, me too. You know, because uh, <laughs> I made it up. Yeah. It's great. It's it's uh, it's very very enjoyable. Uh, putting on airs. Go check it out, Aaron. Go ahead. Um. 
you have, well, you do a lot of stuff, Trey. You obviously do everything we just talked about and reference. You also have a tour coming up um, this summer, just me and y'all, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just going to make sure I'm not screwing stuff up. So you have a bunch of shows. You are constantly creating content. You're oftentimes doing talking on politics, which is something, especially in this in this day and age, is can be uh, exhausting. What are you doing? How much is all of this taking out of you? I know that you're enjoying it, but how do you reset? And what are you finding is, you know, what are you loving and what's also, what also are you doing to make sure that you can reset to be able to do this again? Because I don't think some people realize how mentally exhausting um, what you guys do really is, especially when politics is involved. The main thing that I try to do, which is hard in this game, is like I try to give myself as much sort of structure as possible with all this type of stuff. Because if I feel like I have like a kind of um, like a schedule that I can follow as much as possible, it sort of keeps me on track with things and makes and I don't feel over as overwhelmed by them. So like, you know. I've got my Patreon stuff and my different podcasts and whatnot. And then obviously touring alters some of that, but like I try to uh, just, you know, compartmentalize and like, this is the time of week I normally focus on this thing. And then I'll do that then, and then move on to the next thing after that. And that kind of helps me to get through it. And then as far as like, you know, taking it, like I've got two sons, I play video games with them and stuff. It's pretty easy to like shut all this off when I go in there, go pick them up from school or whatever. And, uh, and other than that, in terms of maintaining my sanity, uh, my wife got us a Peloton bike a while back. And that's, uh, you got to do something in that regard. And that's sort of like, you know, just sweat it out, get on there and sweat to the oldies, listening to eighties music or do a leap up, whatever, just, you know, get breaking it down. It, and that, that stuff helps too. It's so funny you say that. Cause my wife, my wife has been saying that for years, like, uh, cause sports is not all that different than music industry like just working nights or weekends is a big part of being in the sports media world. And my wife's like, no, no, you, you, you need to have some boundaries. And it's like, now when I go get the girls at four 30, like I'm done, like that's yeah, it. Right. I'm, I'm done. And I can, I can put it to the side. Um, however, sports and politics have, have always been interwoven into our fabric of existence since sports existed in our country or back, I don't know, in Europe, maybe um, in, in the old, uh, you know, Olympic days, you know, I, I find it interesting that, the, the stick to sports thing is like a phrase that came about. I, I just, I find that interesting that it's a thing when we have politicians who are being elected or former athletes, we have, you know, issues in our country almost, almost always come through the, the, you know, the eye and the lens of sports in general. Um, when someone says to you, I'll stick, like if someone were to say to you, stick to sports, like what, what is your response? If you were in my shoes or someone else's shoes, somebody on sports center or whatever, what would be your response to somebody? That says that. I don't know. It's always been weird to me that everyone else but athletes is allowed to like have an opinion and or post it about anything. Like it seems to me like they don't, you know, like the people, the people that are yelling at like shut up and dribble stuff or just stick to sports. It's like you're on the Internet expressing your opinion, you know, about how things should work. Right. Now, I guarantee you go to those people's feeds and they've got all kinds of retweeted stuff or their own post about how they feel about taxes or gas prices or whatever. And it's like, why don't you stick to, you know, drywall or whatever? Like, why? Do, <laughs> like it, 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 I don't know where it's because I think 
to answer my own question, I think it's because a lot of people look to sports as like an escape or whatever. So like they don't want to be reminded of all that. And really what it is usually is that they have a team they're heavily invested in. If a really good player on that team disagrees with them, they find that upsetting. Uh, and so they'd rather not be reminded of it. And so that's why sports is treated differently. But I think that's stupid. Like in this country, everyone you know is equally entitled to have an opinion on like the political landscape. We all live here. We all have to deal with it. And athletes aren't any different, you know. So, I mean, that's dumb. Well, it's it, not really the, the – that no one that's ever said just stick to something agreed with the opinion of the person you're <laughs> right. talking to. No, absolutely. So they're not all in all saying athletes need to stay out of politics or whatever it is. It's just the problem, I think, too. Not only is it an escape, because I agree with that, but it's also the power of sports, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to be involved in it, is just that it crosses every single racial, mm-hmm. socioeconomic, yeah. yep. gender gap. And it because of that, it's one of the most powerful platforms that exists. Only thing, other thing that does that is music that can really cross that barrier com- com- and comedy. bring I, in I, comedy. I, yeah. And comedy. comedy. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's I'll, power. I'll stick up. I'll stick up for yeah, each right. There you go. And so there's, it's the power of the platform of sports when people have differing opinions and the people sticking, speaking out can be scary. I'm sure because they're like, well, people are going to listen. Um, yeah. Well, I, Honestly, and it isn't just athletes. It isn't just athletes. So they do the same thing with like actors and singers and stuff. And yeah. it's just it's that thing like they don't want to be something that they enjoyed. They cannot handle finding out that someone involved with it yeah. fundamentally disagrees with them politically. And the thing is, for most of those people, that would happen almost all of the time. So they would rather <laughs> all of those people just not talk about it or else they're going to have nothing left, but Kevin Sorbo movies or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, so that's why they're trying to shut everybody up. I think, but like mm-hmm. the cat's kind of out of the bag with Hollywood. I think, you know what I mean? Like they all, yes, yes. it's uh, all the liberals on the, in, in Hollywood and whatnot. So they're trying to keep that from happening in sports, I guess it just upsets them, but you know, no, just I, like I, fresh Prince is going to feel a little different. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I, but it's also that sports, music, culture, comedy, they're all such powerful drivers of where we are, though, like as a group of people like they they drive like the civil rights movement doesn't happen without Jackie Robinson. Like, right. it, like you, it's always sort of the precursor to all the things that come after that, which is generally a giant cultural war <laughs> mm-hmm. that we're going to wage as a group of people. But that, that, that to me, that's what it is. Like music can pull you forward like Kurt Cobain did in the early nineties with gender. And like, these are the things that, that pull us forward. And I think, you know, sure. Tommy Tuberville and Herschel Walker can still get elected into the con into Congress, but that's not going to change the way that most people feel about any one particular thing. Generally, you know, if somebody's got something to say about it, we live in a place where we're supposed to be able to say all that stuff. Right. Yep. Yeah. Unless you're on TikTok, apparently, and you're me. <laughs> we're gonna get it. We're gonna get Trey, to the I'm upset for you. Yeah, <laughs> I am getting canceled over here just for speaking I'm the truth. Emotionally invested in your TikTok yeah. career now. That's right. These conservative <laughs> snowflakes can't handle my truths. They're trying to cancel me. That's what's happening so through snow- TikTok. Snowflakes <laughs> everywhere, man. Uh, putting on airs is the brand new podcast with Corey Forrester. It's everywhere you get your podcast. The solo tour, the well-read comedy tour, the liberal manifesto, TreyCatter.com, the YouTube, and all the socials. And um, tour. I got it. Yeah, I said the solo oh, tour in there. I said the solo tour. I didn't say yeah. the. I didn't say the name of um, it. So my apologies. Uh, I only. Right. I only hear bits and pieces of what Braden says. Sure. Yeah, it's fair. Um, you and 
all the other women in my life, the, <laughs> the three that live in my house. Um, Trey, uh, seven and a half wins for Tennessee. Over, under. I know it goes against everything I said at the top of the show, but I'm gonna say over. What do you think about that? I I think I, deep, I think I think deep down you can't help but but think about what it could be like. What it could be like, yeah. What it could we'll be say. Like. Well, thank you, man, for giving us so much of your time. We really, really appreciate it. Make sure you go to Jasper's, of course, over on West End. They have a library, yeah. folks. Read a full book. Of, full Get of drunk. Russian liter- literature. TVs yeah. from the Civil War era. That's right. All sorts of stuff. Get drunk, read a book. And uh, an air hockey table <laughs> that is free to use. The parking is also free. The drinks are great. The food is wonderful. The library is full of Russian literature. Aaron, where can people find you? The Aaron Dugan on uh, Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram. Trey, where can people find you? Uh, just my name, Trey Crowder, on the, all the platforms. Everything except for, but except for TikTok. Yeah, except everything for TikTok. but TikTok. Yeah. My name is Bringall. Thank you guys all for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with more, with more State of the Union and some Vegas over unders as well. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>